Uh, my real name is Matthias, but Matt is really fine. I'm 47, I'm from Germany, married to an Indian. Uh, studied uh, theology and missions and development practice in Oxford and Johannesburg. I'm passionate about the poor and about how to transform the life of people who are stricken by poverty to have a life that is worthy of it. And that's what all my life is about. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So um, I, I wanted to ask, um, why poverty though? Because th that's uh, a huge problem. But I guess that um, you're studying how religion is uh, correlated with poverty. Is that is that it? Yes. Yes, poverty. Um, it, it has several reasons. I'm I'm born into a family that was always uh, connected with people from other continents. Uh, so I met uh, the first time I went to a real poor country. I was I was not even a teenager. I went to Romania, uh, and I saw orphanages where children were. That wasn't human. This was inhuman situations of children, and I was a small kid, couldn't handle it. It was mm -hmm. really tough for me. But I believe in justice, and you know, I'm born in a rich country. So how can I live, as you know, enjoying all the good things in life? And how can another child, who's, who's I can't do anything about my birth, right? I'm born here. How can another child grow up in utterly poverty? That's so unjust. Uh, so for myself, I decided I can't live this way. So either what can I do? I can help. So I, that's how I focused my studies. That's where I pursued my, in brickets, career is to help others. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is a uh, really amazing. And um, but isn't that such a huge burden to bear? But I guess that because you're uh, you're a Christian, uh, you put that burden on. Uh, in a way, on your prayers to God, and that uh, expect Him to uh, help change the world. Yeah, and you're right. Um, if you really, and I, I don't want to go on others, but if if I go and read the Bible, Jesus, in a way, said, "If you don't love your neighbor, and he defined the neighbor as someone in need, you can't love God." So. Um, Yes, uh, it, it's part of my faith. I, I learned at one point that I cannot carry the weight of all the world. I can only carry the, the weight of the people who are in my path and in my capacity to help. But there I want to do it. So I take the responsibility for what I can do, but I need to leave to God what I can't do. That's true, yeah. Okay. So um, I, I want you to be specific, though. Um, what specific... Uh, paths or in w in what capacity have you been able to uh, have succeeded in helping others uh, arise from poverty? Yeah, you know, it's a journey. When I started in 2001, 2002, uh, I went to my first trips to um, Africa. Uh, and um, uh, if I'm really frank, uh, White men love to play God in Africa. You go to Africa, you think you have money, you think these are the poor black kids with big white eyes, and, and, and they are, you know, they are poor, and then we go and bring them help. And that's what I try to do. And it fades miserable, because this is not what um, helping someone or being an assistant on a journey of someone out of 
property is about. It's not about giving something, but it's more, and I learned this over the years actually through friendships, it's more about being a partner in a, in a life journey out of um, all the dynamics that keep people poor. And they have sometimes very little to do with the absence of goods and all to do with politics, social politics, mm -hmm. uh, injustice, corruption, uh, and also with the inner self, with my self-image. When I'm poor and the whole environment tells me I'm not worthy, I'm not loved, I do thing, I know nothing, I can't do anything, that I, I kind of incorporate this in my personality and then I will not succeed in life. So it's, it's also about, and there I think it's the gospel, it's we are created in the image of God. Everything God has put in you, if I can help a poor person to understand that, he starts to believe himself in his own capacity to walk out of this poverty and I can assist, then maybe we have a way to succeed. Otherwise, just bringing stuff from A to B or bringing money or whatever, in my experience, that's not how to do it. Okay, um, I, I really agree with you and I, I've always been hearing this uh, saying that if you give a man a fish, you, f you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, you feed him for the rest of his life. And th I think this is the gist of your, 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 what you just said, that just giving goods will only be temporary and will fail in the, in the, ultimately in the end. But if, but if you, uh, for example, assist in the social-political pol social realm of, of uh, poverty-stricken countries, that's where you make real change that could last permanently. Yes, you're so right. And uh, I mean, the, f the fish and the fishing is, is a very simplified but, but easy to understand image. Uh, once you go, for, you immediately understand that poverty really has the levels of the personal image you carry inside of you of who you are. It has the level of your education and you can't toss away if you're illiterate um, and, and if, if, if you're not capable, if you don't have personal capacity, you will always be ruled by others. And then it has the level of, of um, providing opportunity and they are actually uh, foreigners and, and even locals who have more power than poor communities, very often rural communities, even locals can, can assist in creating the space for people to grow. And I think this needs to happen in communities. And this is something the West doesn't know. Very often when I communicate with people here, they don't understand this kind of dynamics. They think they think in the measurement of poverty is the absence of something. And uh, it's true in a way, but it's the absence of many other things than just, uh, uh, than just money, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that it also... Um, involves not just the uh, production of goods in a country but also in, in their political system but for example and and I think most of African countries are uh, are are democratic right but and so but even even so uh, they still face many challenges when it comes to uh, the political arena Yes, and democratic is, is a nice word. <laughs> I, I think there are really levels of democracy. Um, um, 
uh, I I love my my friends in Africa, and over the years they have become friends on the eye to eye level, really friends who would talk to me. But they themselves would say that um, democracy in Africa is 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 something that is a strong tree in some countries, and in some it's it's just started to grow, even if you call it democracy. And sometimes you have good kings, uh, like Kagame in, in Rwanda, he's a good king. I mean, you can't call, you, you can call Rwanda a democratic country because they have elections, but it's not. Uh, they have a 90-something percent <laughs> election for Kagame, so he, he will be re-elected as long as he wants. But he's a good king. He takes care of his people. Uh, the country's thriving. They fight poverty. It's a good example, and so sometimes it's it's very difficult. You could say, I don't. I would always, almost all the time, prefer democracy, um, but I also acknowledge that sometimes it takes strong leadership, um, and I would not um, impose or kind of force our Western understanding on on Africa anymore. I think I left the states behind. Um, you know, Africa needs to solve its problems within their own culture and in, in, in their own um, um, uh, balancing out the tribalism to the, because it's all, a lot in Africa is still about tribes and then and that's not easy to, to find this. But the truth in this is um, the, the powers in the countries, they define uh, the well-being of the people. A political a well-led political country in Africa, I would not be there uh, because I would not be needed. They could solve all their problems on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I wanted to know, though, um, for example, uh, what role does uh, West, uh, the Western world play in, ha in how Af Africa can arise from, from poverty? That's a good question. Uh, probably the more important question would be, uh, what will China do? Because uh, the the you know it's like the, the the there's been a power shift in Africa, um, and the power shift has had to China, and China is the big giant now who's doing all the billions and billions of investments into the infrastructure. Um, the the West can can say, uh, you know, we did our mistakes, we did our exploitations. Uh, we did all the wrong. We can atone for that and, and assist the African continent in not getting exploited one more time from another superpower. So we could be a healthy good voice uh, for Africa if they want us, if they allow this to happen. Uh, but if I would be an African state, I would be careful who to trust in the in the end. Uh, I mean, China is, is nice to trust because China brings in all this. I mean, they built like Kenya right now. They built a huge, uh, or in, invest not build but invest in the train system. Um, so they bring in a lot of money and they bring in a lot of business. But who trusts China, right? It's not easy. Um, it's not easy. I I don't see an easy path for any country in Africa. Um, um, even though they have all the natural resources, rich, I mean, they have oil, they have gold, diamonds, they have all the minerals, um, they have actually a climate that would allow them in, in most parts of Africa to have uh, sometimes three harvests per year. 
it, it would be possible to feed all Africa and make it uh, rich, but then have the interests of the West, the interests of the companies who don't probably want to lose the chance to get all the natural resources on a cheap level. I don't know. It's not easy. Okay, but um, what I'm actually seeing here is that, uh, as you said, Africa has the potential to become the the best of herself, right? But what what I'm looking, uh, what I'm seeing, as what you said, is that it's being choked by the surrounding uh, nations and uh, cult, uh, companies or countries that uh, look look to it and see opportunity instead of uh, seeing uh, brothers who require help. Yes, right. And, uh, um, I would love to see more Christians, uh, if I'm honest, in true Christians, really people who follow the teaching of Jesus Christ, not to call themselves Christians, who are capable of cutting down their own interests in favor of the interests of the true assistance. But let's be frank, that's not going to happen. Africa would need to fight for itself. Any, I think any country that is, is coming from the majority world, uh, rising up, um, I mean, you can look at South Korea, it's, it's possible, right? You can move from one stage to another stage to another stage to fight off um, um, or fight off wrong, fight itself uh, and, and, and grow as a community, as a country, and, and to a certain level income and standard, it's possible. And it's also happening in Africa. To be frank, if you go there, and if you've been there 20 years ago, or some places like Nairobi, you have huge shopping malls, you have restaurants, you have Starbucks, and well, it's, I mean, it's called Costa there, it's another coffee chain. I mean, you can live a good life. You have a slowly but steadily growing middle class. Uh, but now we don't know. <laughs> Corona is, is pretty bad. So... We will see, but but I don't think it will stop the the, the it will push it back for some years maybe. But there is this happening. But a lot has to do, in my opinion, in good governance. And good governance comes from a uh, good civil society that will counter politicians and and be the check of the politicians. So you need a strong civil society, and you need strong universities. You need young people get educated. Uh, and move into the system to change the system and who are restraining, the, restraining themselves from corruption, then you can change the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, uh, I, I, I totally agree. But then as you said earlier that um, uh, all, all of what you said are uh, very, very uh, Western uh, systems, like for example, checks and balances. But I think that I think as uh, based on what you said, Africa has to uh, build herself within herself, so within her own culture, and um, uh, and you have to be very specific in terms of how the 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 society will work according to the the people's culture as well. Right. So, for example, if if one place is a monarchy, it has been it has been it it has to be modeled in a way that the culture is still there. Only that you you 
you improve it with uh, checks and balances and good and better education and freedom of uh, journalism yes and you're right you see the, the pro in, in a way you, you you did catch me in in my own contradiction which is there I want to see an Africa that is Africa, but on the other hand, I have no better idea than going back to uh, the the civil society, uh, good journalism that is protected, and universities, because I have no better idea, if I'm honest. Uh, that's the idea I have, because um, um, power needs countercheck. And sometimes in kingdoms, when you look in the past, the, 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 the church or the, the others, state or, or dominant religion in within this kingdom was the counterpart they, they were kind of checking and, and that could be a solution for Africa because in Africa it was always the uh, the, the, the head tribe and the medicine men so you have your your king uh, your tri tribe king and you have the medicine men who, who, who are the two balances of power maybe that's a solution I don't know but if I'm Frank, because of the international competition countries are in, and they can't escape that, uh, I would still probably go back and say, have good universities, train your young, protect the press, um, freedom of... Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's elementary. But again, I could come back to Kagame, who, where there's no real freedom of speech. It looks like, but it's not. And I, I have travel to the country very often um, and, and I still like Kagame because he's he's awesome for his people but no one knows. I mean he could turn into a bad king uh, then you have a problem but as long as he is a good king it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah and um, I was uh, I, w I had a question earlier but I, I sort of forgot but I wanted to ask um, uh I want to ask about the Black Panther movie. If you've seen that, you know it. It 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 was very uh, a very very um, uh, proud movie for uh, uh, the the uh, black communities, and uh, I wanted to know what you thought about it. Awesome, <laughs> awesome movie because the message behind. Look, the the, the truth when you. And, and we probably we need to address this shortly. The truth is that even a person who doesn't think he's a racist still supports a racist system and carries within him a superiority he just exercises without realizing. And a movie like The Black Panther, where, where actually the, the dominant, the, 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 the most advanced culture is a culture from Africa with black people, uh, it, it, it kind of is a mirror and would show everyone that, you know, it has absolutely zero to do with where we come from. Uh, you know, your, your, the, the, your capacity, your break, your whatever, has nothing to do with that. So it's an awesome movie because it kind of says like, hey, it could have been very different even though it's just fantasy. Um, and it, it addresses something I'm not sure many white men got because it needs a certain level of self-reflection to understand where your sense of security uh, comes from and identify it as a sense of uh, racism. Racism means your race is better than the other. And you, 
however you do it, you say like, it's by our culture. You know, I, as a German, I could say we have Mozart, Beethoven, all the inventions in the past. We are a superior culture, right? So I feel superior. So I go to Africa and tell this African guys how to do it. That's racism, and you need to fight it. So I love the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I I I seem to believe that um. I I also think that in actuality there is no high, higher culture, you know. But it uh, it would seem to some that there are more advanced societies than others. But in a, in the greater sca- uh, uh, scheme of things, there is really no hierarchy when it comes to which culture is better or. You know, you're wrong because I always love to view things from top, but turn around uh, because. I believe that every human is created in the image of God. So I would ask, are there cultures that degrade and dehumanize people and rob them of being who they're supposed to be? Mm-hmm. And I think that exists because that's what I meet. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I see it when, I, when I'm in countries where people truly suffer. I mean, I've been to North Iraq. I've been to uh, Syria, to, to the north, uh, in Turkey-Syria borders, in, in refugee camps. I've been to refugee camps in Lebanon. I mean, when you see this, this is degrading, this robbing people of who they are, robbing their homes, robbing their places. For what? For religion. This is the most ridiculous thing, you know. We say, oh, it's one God, and he's a great God, but we kill others for it and, 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 and push them out of their homes. This is so ridiculous. So, yes... Uh, I agree with you, but I also would say there is a force on this planet uh, that is evil and that is pushing people and robbing life and destroying life. That's really, uh, it breaks my heart. It's really hard to see. Uh, you know, I, to be honest, when I come back from trips like this, sometimes it takes weeks to really digest what I saw. You know, I have kids in this age. Uh, and then I come home and see my kid here having everything and this other kid living in a piece of sand uh, in North Syria with no hope, no passport, can't cross to Turkey, desperation, war. It, it, it's totally... <laughs> so yeah, I believe there... You could turn it around and say there's something that robs people, but there's nothing that's superior. There's no superior race. I, I'm fully with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah. And... I, this is what I think, though, that uh, humanity, uh, in order to cope, uh, tells himself lies that, oh, uh, it's uh, the, the people that are suffering out there, uh, they're not my problem, you know? Uh, I, I have to take care of myself, you know, to each his own. So, it, what, and in, in, in that way, they can cope with living in a world where the people are starving and people are suffering. And they they know and they pretend that uh, they can't do anything about it. But but what 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 is true is that, for example, there are so many rich rich people out there that could live with so much less, and could actually uh, help even just a single soul eat something more than or live in a better home. And that and that's what I think that um, capitalism, in a way has uh, provided man an ideology to justify having more advantage advantageous uh goods and uh life benefits you know 
That, that's what I think. I, I'm fully with you. I mean, I am by heart a Christian and a theologian, so allow me to quote once Jesus. Uh, he basically said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money, the mammon, and God. Uh, if someone feels like it's his calling in life to court millions and billions on an account and, and kind of have the second boat and third car and whatever, uh, Jesus had the message that it's pretty hard for this people. It actually, he said, it takes a miracle from God for this people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because violate, I mean, you dehumanize yourself as you take something away that is, we are humans, we are social beings. We, we should not close our eyes if someone suffers. And you, you put your own well-being far beyond any reasonable situation. I mean, if you have a Range Rover, you already have a good car that's already beyond anything. Why do you need two or three more and then and, and maybe a Porsche something? And I'm going against my own country selling the Porsche, but, you know, a car is a car. You can't use a car for something else. It drives. You already have comfort. You don't need six cars. So I'm with you. I think that these people, they rob themselves from something that's in, it's not replaceable. Being a human is having compassion. Mm -hmm. And the system, and you're right, you criticize the system, you're fully... Uh, and I mean, the problem will be, is there a system in this world that could actually be just? And I'm not sure about this because I know I'm 47, I've seen too much because any system needs to be run by people and I just don't trust people in power. My, my learning is P-Power um, seldom remain, uh, let me use this funny word, but they, they, only a few people in power remain innocent. That's my opinion. Power corrupts. It's, sorry, but that's what I think. Yeah, I, I, I uh, absolutely agree that uh, power corrupts absolutely. But then um, I think, you know, uh, when it, uh, seeing how technology has advanced, there are, we are able to, to use uh, artificial intelligence and um, uh, te uh, technological advancements in order to actually be able to, to manage not not through hum not by human uh human human resources but by simply using uh com computing power you know and and for example in 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 the in Jeff Bezos uh uh Am Amazon his his system to manage the the uh deliveries and the orders it's all run by computer, and it 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 has a way to mm -hmm. actually uh, fix itself and manage uh, problems. And so, um, but I I I actually see that uh, there is already an overproduction of food all over, all around the world. You know, I I'm not I'm not saying that capitalism should be abolished or anything, or that we should move to communism and and whatnot. I, I'm 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 simply uh, thinking that there is an excess in the world uh, of excess of production, and we need to be able to at least distribute it 
in a way that there could be some sort of universal uh, benefits for each individual. But uh, I guess that we ha- would have to dwell in the political and the social and cultural uh, challenges as well. But um, I-, I hope that in the future um, uh, we could actually establish a cosmopolitan society that uh, their national nationalism or tribalism wouldn't be a, a hindrance towards uh, uh, helping an, another person from another country. You know, let me tap into this because there's there's an ideal and just just building shortly in our mind in utopia. The utopia is we build a planet that doesn't need religion. It doesn't need um, thriving. It doesn't need competition. Uh, you know, it's something like an ideal Star Trek society. Mm-hmm. That would be the dream of one. Yeah, everyone would like this. But and here's what I said. Uh, it, it's just my and here you can you know everyone can disregard this. But in my experience, I have uh, I have seen people being corrupted in any society and any country on the planet and the levels are sometimes different so my my uh, my strong case would be that this is not this is not gonna happen that's I'm uh, a, a strong believer and I believe in the teachings of Jesus and I believe that um, this teaching this very high moral standard when you I, I don't know if you heard this but the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5 is all about how we treat our neighbor, how we pursue peace, how we pursue uh, gentleness, how we pursue compassion, that we will need this. Now, I will never say that someone who, who doesn't believe in God will not do the same. That's not my claim. But on the grand scheme of what I saw the world being right now, I think we need that because I don't see the utopia happening. Uh, uh, I just don't. That's the problem because of mankind not because the concept is wrong yeah i i actually i also um have been always uh, uh understood that but um so uh this is what you're saying that human nature in and of itself is the problem not any system that there is yes we could live in a capitalist system yes, you- but, but the, we, if human nature was uh perfectly good it would actually work and, Right, so it's not the system. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think it's that's what I said. I do think there, are, there are some systems that are so destructive uh, against the human nature that it's it's from from the downside. It, it's mm-hmm. dehumanizing people. But otherwise, yes, I agree with you because whatever tool you create, if you talk about artificial intelligence, for example, even the best tool in my hand, it's still a tool in my hand. People still control it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see, I don't see us, uh, and I don't see even that in our nature, uh, I don't see humans giving up control. This is a struggle, a struggle for power and control in, in political parties and religious systems, you know, organized religion has this problem. Organized religion like Roman Catholicism, and that's my Roman Catholic brothers, I love them, but they have a problem because they are power structure. Uh, so wherever you go, power is an issue. You know, and, and there I see the teaching of Jesus being so 
contrary to this world, that they, they are disruptive and they should be. He says, you know, you want to be great and I can serve one another. You know, the lowest is the highest. It's dis disruptive. It, it doesn't actually work, but that's the beauty in it. Because it's so much against what we used to do that we actually need to stop and listen and say, hey, you know, is there something about this teaching that could actually um, um, kind of invade our markets and make them a better place? And you don't need to be Christian for this. If you take Johannes Yunus, uh, Muhammad Yunus, with this social business concept, that's a big concept. If you build businesses where the sole purpose of the business is the benefit of the community and not the benefit of the stakeholders, you already make a huge progress. But people be willing to, to not thrive for their careers, maybe still earn good money. Businesses should earn money. That's even what Yunus teach. But the purpose of the business is another one. So there again, I think, you know, we always need a moral high ground that is disruptive and that is difficult. That's not, you know, that's not easy to take. Uh, that is difficult, but uh, that is disruptive to, to, to stimulate our creativity in doing things different. If I say true Christianity, I'm not criticizing other faith systems and not even my own different uh, denominations, but, you know, uh, th there is something strong and unique and powerful in the very essence of the message of Jesus Christ. And while we still need sometimes churches and human structures around it to carry on this message, the message itself is very powerful. Because the message, is, as, as I said, it's, it's a message that is reduced to if you if you want to love God, you need to love your neighbor. You can't you, you can't separate the two, and so there's so much teaching in in what Jesus said and how he lived, that is disruptive, that is against the systems, uh, and and the religious system in his time identified the threat he posed for them, and that's why they wanted to kill him. Not not only for blasphemy, but he was threatening their position in the community their position of power they hold within the, you know, conquerors, the Romans and everything. There was there were so many dynamics. So when I refer to the following Jesus in a way, um, being, and let me use this word, it's not a word many like, but being radical in this, saying, you know, because if I'm a radical Christian, then I'm radical in loving my neighbor. I'm radical in, in taking care of the needy. Uh, I'm radical in expressing God's love to the world by going out to people that are not like me. Then I'm radical in loving my enemy, and that's so powerful. And take this alone, to love your enemy. That's a challenge. I, you know, I don't know about your life, but I had enemies in my life, and I was challenged to follow this. I was challenged myself to overcome my emotions and my feelings and to forgive people who really hurt me or who I was fighting with and stop fighting with them and forgiving them. And, you know, when we look at the world with all the conflicts, this message is so powerful that people would actually listen to it, it would change our world. Yeah, I, um, I wish that you could um, uh, tell me more about uh, what Jesus really taught, you know. Uh, I and I think this message is necessary for everyone, and even in my country.
<laughs> I mean, let me let me say this because it's it. Um, I already expressed the I th I think the essence because the faith in Jesus Christ is a combination. Um, when you truly look at what people understood Jesus saying in his time, he was talking about participating in the kingdom in my life here now, and he was less talking about getting saved uh, when you die. Um, the, the concern was how, if I follow Jesus, I change my lifestyle, I change, I change from who I am into another person. I turn around and I follow this Messiah, the, the, the Savior who has come to overcome sin and destruction in the world. So the message of Jesus is a message that combines the eternity into the eternity already happening here and now. So as a Christian, I believe that when I listen to him and follow his commandments, that's what he said, this is about being a Christian. I listen to his teachings and I follow his commandments and I believe in him. Um, and when you take the commandments from him, it's actually Matthew 5. It's the best. It's the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus, uh, many theologians would say Moses was given the law on the mountain in stone, and here comes the law that was promised in the Old Testament. It's written on the hearts of people. That's in Deuteronomy uh, 30 something, and in Jeremiah 31, 33. It's the promise I will make a new covenant with my people, and my law will be written on their hearts. And, that, and that's what we talk about. We talk about a changed heart that is not looking for your own advantage in life. But you live a good life, you take care of your family, but you have the needs and the suffering of your neighbor on your screen, and you react on this. Um, and this is basically the, the, the essence of the message. Believe in Jesus Christ, listen to his teaching, follow his commandments. And his commandments have to do with loving your enemy. Bless those who curse you. It's powerful. I mean, people talk bad, especially... and. In my experience, um, I have good friends, and let me shortly come back to Africa. They, there's always tribalism. There's one tribe, there's the Kukuyu tribe and the Maasai tribe, um, and then they fight, and they talk bad about each other. You know, they say all oh, those uh, guys at the coast, they're all lazy, but, you know, they don't want to work. They're, these are bad words. These are curses about other people. Uh, but you go and bless people. You speak good about those who speak bad about you. And how would that be in an interfaith dialogue, for example? Couldn't we take out a lot of tension out of the borderlines where Hindus meet Muslims, Christians meet Hindus, Muslims meet Christians? You know, when you really listen to people, they have all this prejudice, this, this, they are filthy, they are bad, they talk, they want this, uh, and then you throw in the Jews in Israel and you get total chaos. So listen to Jesus, you, you, you change your heart, you, you kind of take your hard drive and format it on a way that I look at the other and appreciate the other one as a creation of God. I look at my neighbor, my next person, and say he's created in the image of God. And my job is to express my love and respect for the other person and not take him down. Now, that's a high <laughs> image. So uh, don't knock on my door and say you do all this. Uh, I also am on a journey, but that's what makes life interesting. Let's go on this journey together, and our, our world will be a different place. I deeply believe that.
And I believe that's happening. I don't think this, I'm the only one. There are many voices like this. There are even voices from other faiths They are like this. And we can make a change. Yeah, I, sorry I, for preaching. No, Friends. it's prob no problem, man. Like uh, that was a uh, really life changing for me. Yeah, but um, um, this is really uh, good, you know, uh, on the surface because you're helping the world, uh, in terms of solving pro the poverty crisis through uh, in a way that give the Christian ideology helps people be more, uh, less prejudiced and uh, actually unite in something. But can I can I ask you in in, a, in theological terms because but you can mm -hmm. uh, yeah so um in in terms of for example um, Jesus Christ I, I think that he I have always believed that he, he is a part of the Trinity and and um, he's a Lord the Lord and Savior uh, do you still think that way Yes. Um Yes, I'm very convinced. Uh, the, uh, there are two levels. And the one level, you, I can go to my scripture, and, and that's in the essence the Bible. We have other scriptures of the church fathers around it, but the Bible is the essence. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus is uh, worshipped. Jesus is called God. Jesus claims uh, divine attributes. Jesus is God. John 1, 1 to 3, uh, it's just the, the Word. It's talking about the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1, 14, it says the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. There's no doubt that the Scripture says this. Um, so I can go as a, for my brain, I can use my brain and think about the concept. Is it Does God make sense? In my perspective, it makes sense uh, because this world is too beautiful, uh, too complex, to not have a designer behind it. That's my personal conviction. That's all my brain level. I'm thinking about it and reflecting about it. I study it. But then there's the heart level. There's a yearning in my heart to have eternity, to be loved, to be accepted, to have fellowship. Now, this is personal. This is my personal witness. I, I believe that Jesus did promise to be omnipresent within every one of us who follows him. That's called the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us. So if I, if I give my life Christ, if I follow him, if I pray, if I seek him, if I take my time, uh, my private time to seek him, I can feel his presence for myself. This is nothing I oppose on anyone else. That's my, my own thing in my heart. I feel God's presence. You know, um, in, in Romans 8, 14, it says, God has not given us a spirit of slavery and fear, but his spirit says our spirit that we are adopted children of God in God's family. I deeply believe that. But it's a personal experience everyone does on his personal level. But for me, I address faith from two levels. I go with my brain. I wrap my mind about it. I discuss. Uh, I defend. I'm in discussion with uh, my Muslim friends, I'm in discussion with atheists, my Hindu friends because of India, my roots in India, with my wife, uh, I'm, this is my brain level. But there's a spiritual level on my personal testimony where I say, I'm so sure God is there and when I open my heart and life to him, he, he fills me. That's, but that's my personal witness. Okay, okay but um, this is the, the thing though because um, poverty is more of a a worldly goal 
and Christianity or uh, teaches that uh, there's a better life after. And so just suffer today and uh, live happily for eternity in paradise. So it, it would seem that if you are truly Christian, you would, you, would not, you would not really look into this world, but just look forward to what is to come. So, uh, to what end yes. is poverty being solved a Christian, a true Christian goal? Yeah, because I would strongly disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. if, if this would be the case, then if this would be the case, then why did Jesus at all teach and heal and, and heal the sick? And, and we need to understand sick in that time was game over. When you're sick, you're sick. There are no doctors, no proper doctors, no proper healing. So why would Jesus have done that? Why would he go out and teach about uh, taking care of the poor, uh, being merciful, being compassionate? It doesn't make sense. So if if God would be just concerned to get our our, our souls into heaven, then why not kill us all and just be done with it? I don't see this at all. And I don't see this in in, in the theology, in the the text, I don't see it. I think that some people um, oversimplify uh, scripture and narrow it down to a level, uh, you know, where you have this, uh, and I don't know about them, but you have this big crusade where people just preach, you know, it's about heaven and hell, but I don't see this in the life of Jesus, not at all. I see he's very concerned about us here and about justice. Uh, you know, there's this situation where Jesus, and that's what I believe, he knew Jerusalem going to be destroyed. He's on the, on the hill on the opposite side of Jerusalem. He cries. He weeps over what will happen. He knows it's going to happen. He can't, you know, people are people. They will not change. Uh, war will be there. Destruction will be there. But he weeps. It's, it's a deep emotion. So I disagree. And poverty, uh, it, it, it's, it, it angers me. <laughs> Because it it robs people. You you know when you have poverty, you have you have uh, the 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 you have the young marriages. I mean, I have I have a friend. We we sat together in in Kenya and discussed this for hours. You know some of the tribes where they have where they have the men has two three or more women. You know those girls get married off at twelve, thirteen, fourteen years. Their life is destroyed. There's it's so hopeless, and you go there and you look at them. They could be intelligent, bright young people, but they are married off, and then they have their first kid with 14, 15. It's disruptive. It angers me. Um, so no, Jesus uh, did not teach that it's all about. Jesus did teach in a way, and, and this happened. Some people die uh, of their faith. It happened throughout the history. Uh, it happens today. Uh, but but that's not the aim of Christian life. My aim is not to die. My aim is to have a good life and a productive life and a life where part of my life is given away for others and help others. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I I I see your point there. Uh, yeah. It it, it uh, seeing poverty and people suffering in this in this. Uh, life short lifestyle lifetime is is a a, a a huge burden to bear even just thinking about it but um is it not the main message of jesus to that um that's why he died on the cross that was his ultimate uh, goal here that he so so that um people humanity could, even though suff- still suffering could 
in their in the end goal of their life could uh, live happily for eternity because uh, many would say that um, in contrast the 100 years you have on earth is nothing compared to the happiness eternal happiness you have in heaven or in paradise so yeah yes I excuse me if I I don't want to speak over you but look when I'm a girl in a war area and I get raped my days in this situation are like a thousand years you you we, we speak this so easy and you're right I, I never say this is wrong yes sure um, um, salvation is for eternity but I, I just don't see in anything in Jesus teaching I never see him denying justice and this life here on earth I never find this I find him actually approaching this life and and, and writing wrong and engaging in injustice uh, they bring a woman in front of him who was caught in adultery to be stoned. He stops it in a most awesome display of, of showing how the hypocrisy of the others and their sinful nature and, and then showing her the mercy and embrace but also telling her now go and sin no more. But you know th that's what I say, the, the, the life if people suffer, when you talk to people who suffered, you know sometimes you say they aged in a moment this this is so powerful victims are really suffering so I disagree I um, in a way I agree while disagreeing maybe that's better said um, yes it's about eternity but it's as much about the life here now than about eternity okay uh, granted you're right that um, Jesus did teach to help the poor and uh, feed uh, help the widows but then um, this is also something that I would like to ask, like, um, because uh, as a Christian, I think you expect that Jesus would uh, come back in a second coming, right? Yes, I think one time all will be over one okay. day. Okay, but what? What? Do, how, why do you think he would come back? Um, what circumstance, or with, let's say, uh, when would the fruit be ripe to pick? so that Jesus would come back? Is it when humanity reaches a, a hopeless case and so that's where he come ba comes back? Or that um, salvation, uh, the numbers of souls who will can be saved has reached its peak and that there would be no more? And so uh, he just... Oh, I, I, I want to know the end goal of, of uh, preventing poverty and suffering in this lifetime knowing that Jesus can end it right now. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, I would probably be proud enough to answer this question. Uh, nowadays, I must honestly tell you, I really don't know. There are some questions I also have not, I have not really come around it. Why would God not come now and stop this? I have no idea. I think it would be a pretty good idea. Um, on the other hand, I also liked my life. Um, I had tough times, now I have good times. It's, it's a good life. So, but on the other hand, if I look at the rest of the planet, I would say, yeah, that's a pretty good idea, come back. Uh, and sometimes I do pray it, but I don't, I don't know there. I really don't know. But I would refrain from going too deep into this because I don't see a teaching in the Bible that actually tells you that it's not there. 
uh, I see a lot of, and excuse me, but BS when it comes to revelation and how people try to interpret things that are not written to be interpreted this way. Uh, so there's a lot of made up stuff about, you know, end time and all these things. I, I, I don't, you know, like a book like Revelations, uh, apocalyptic book in the Jewish style written. Uh, it's not made for that. It was made for the church under the Roman persecution with an awesome message that even your small don't resist in anger, but resist by laying down your life. Uh, it's a beautiful book if you understand how to read apocalyptic writings. But if you if you really go on this topic, I don't see an end to, to the discussions. So let me make my conclusion, conclusion clear. Today, I'm careful with an answer. I would think it would be awesome for God to come back, but I don't know when he will do that. Okay. That is, that, that is a satisfactory answer for me. Um, Matthias, um, I would like you to ask this question, uh, last question because it, I think that this has been a great conversation and we're almost reaching an hour. <laughs> and, uh, and after this, okay. I, I hope that we could uh, have more episodes to come, you know. And maybe you could uh, talk to uh, uh, Buddhists or a Muslim about this. And maybe you could change their minds. I don't know. Sure. Okay, but um, this is my, my, this is my, the last question. Um, yes, being a Christian in this in this sad, sad world that we have, you know, it, it it's undeniable. There are sufferings. Um, as an in as an individual, uh, what can you do to make this world a better place? Because uh, or make a good good difference on this lifetime of ours. I think every single one of us, wherever you are, however you live, whatever situation you're in, open your eyes up and open your eyes to your neighbor. When, you, when your eyes are open, you see the situations where you can act and the situations will come. And when you act in the situations, speak up for injustice, act when someone is suffering, be the help for someone who's mourning be the best friend for someone who's full of joy. If you do this, your life will be better and the life around you will be better. Okay. Um, that's it. So, that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thanks.